Coming to you from Boise, Idaho, the fastest growing city in the U.S. and recognized as one of the most creative and vibrant cities to live in. This is a special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, a World of Creativity, a series of unique interviews with successful people from around the globe, how they get inspired, where their ideas come from, and how they apply creativity in their business and personal lives. Now, here's your host, Mark Phillips, along with special guest interviewer, Mark Stinson. Welcome to Enhancing the Human Experience, our special series on creativity, a world of creativity. I'm Mark Phillips. I'm here with Mark Stinson. Welcome, Mark. Hey, it's good to be with you again. Really looking forward to launching this series. We've got our first guest in the hot seat today, Sherry Talley. And Sherry's a friend of yours. Give us a little uh, idea, background on Sherry. Yeah. Well, uh, I knew Sherry back uh, probably in the 80s, but uh, she went to school with my wife. and um, But I hadn't talked to her in many, many, many years. And uh, so only recently have they reconnected, and then I got to know what she was up to. But uh, Sherry built a real strong career in broadcast journalism, not only as a news reporter, but as an anchor of the evening news in uh, Shreveport. So as a local market you know, face, it was like what Sherry said was the news. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now she's decided to you know, rewire from that and move forward into another kind of career. So, Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, and as we'll dive into this episode and we, we hear her story about, you know, how she finds creativity and inspiration, you know, I'm sure a lot of that will play out from her, you know, her different career roles. So she's in a little bit of a transition. And, yeah. And it's not only, you know, so for a lot of people, they leave one career and they jump into just pure retirement and then just whatever, go fishing. Yeah. But um, I, I think you're going to hear a totally different creative mindset and pursuit and one that says, I'll build on what I used to do. But um, I, I think as she puts it, you know, how I let some things go in order to add some new things. And we're going to hear about some projects that really aren't out there yet. So there'll be some first first look. <laughs> yeah, so it should be fun. Awesome. All right. Well, let's jump into the interview and see what she has to say. Sounds good. Sherry, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here. Welcome, welcome. And now, we, when we were putting this series together, you were on our list. I'm excited to hear how you approach creativity in your work and in your personal life and how that you know, helps you have a better experience in life. So for starters, why don't you give us a little snapshot about maybe what you do just to, and, and how, um, how kind of you got on the list, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm a retired broadcaster of about 30 years and uh, from Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, and I've always loved art, photography, um, any, any aspect of creativity, really. Cooking, there are so many areas of life that are about creativity. And I think it's in my soul. I come from a very creative family, um, songwriters and artists. My aunt painted Willie Nelson's Stardust album and uh, will soon be inducted into the Texas Heritage Songwriters Hall of Fame. And uh, we were very close, and I was inspired by much of her work um, and much of um, mostly my father's side of the family. Um, they, the women made their own furniture, and uh, they were great storytellers. They practiced their handwriting. Uh, so, so that's sort of my background, and I get a lot of inspiration from uh, sources like nature uh, in particular, uh, I was a personal trainer, so I like to kayak and um, just find creativity in itself. Um, where getting creative about where you find it—that's awesome. Yeah, and just thinking about the foundation, the beginning of it all. You know, you were talking about your broadcast journalism career that you built. So, as a news person, as an anchor, as a reporter. Where, where does creativity fit into that? So many people, I'm sure, just think it's the who, what, when, where, how, why, you know, and just give me the facts. But there must be a lot of creativity in the 
the news? Well, for me, it was twofold. And one side isn't so pretty. But, <laughs> but and, and that's the side of competition. And I think, or maybe reinventing yourself and, and being valuable uh, as things change in the industry. Um, when It takes a lot of courage to be yourself on the air. Uh, because at first you think, okay, uh, this is what a broadcaster should be. This is what a, a radio announcer should be. Like, this is your weather today. You know, just, and, and what that does is it creates a boundary between your audience and you, and it protects you. So where the real courage comes in and is, I think, in being yourself on the air. And when you learn to do that and you learn to have that authenticity and the courage to go forward with that, that's creative, and that is something that no one else can copy. Um, and so, but they will do that. Okay, the younger people will come in, and they will, uh, you know, take your swagger, you know. And so then therein lies the challenge of creating yourself again, finding a new way. And, and it's fun. The process is really fun. And so the, the other half then is about the story itself. Uh, not just reading or presenting the story, but, you know, how do you, I guess, create the story of the news? For me, it was a challenge not to decide what the story was going to be going in because I'm a real prep person. Mm. And, and I think people who I have an OCD side like I do and a creative side where there's this constant struggle want to have all your ducks in the row because you're on a timeline, as you know, and you want to spell it out and do all the work you can before you go. Well, that just zaps all the creative and the spontaneity and so forth. So you have to let it breathe. You have to see what emerges and go with it and, and really create and build the best uh, truth that comes from that. And then in journalism, utilizing, um, uh, all the the integrity that goes along with that, which is um, honesty, uh, both sides of the story, um, not being biased, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. It's interesting you said, though, you know, not going into it with a preconceived. Yes. No, you know, it's like I've already got the story. Now I'm just going to go out and do the interview <laughs> and get the footage to back my story. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that that is like creativity. You know, if, if you have preconceived notions, there's not much room to create. Exactly. And that's what I'm struggling with right now as I learn uh, more about drawing and pastels is uh, there's a process to that as well. Uh, you know, in, in, in the olden days, which people will be talking, our, our great, great jan- yes, grandchildren will say, the in the days. olden days, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, artists would grind their own ink. Part of the process that it's a big deal. It's a big deal to have that preparation. But before you even get to that point, you've got an idea, an inspiration. And for me, I need to then go do something mundane like vacuum or clean the house and let that incubate. How is it going to take form? And so at that point, um, I procrastinate, and that's a struggle too. I'm sure I've talked to other artists who it's do the same thing. The fine line between incubate yeah. and procrastinate. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a famous quote. Yeah, I think that's a bumper sticker, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, and then from there, be very protective of your physical space and your prep, and um, and and proceed because obstacles. You know, as you know, you've heard that saying, are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off your goal? Those are going to emerge. And so in, in protecting your creative space, being time, um, thoughts, you know, it, Mark, your wife, Jenny, is a great inspiration to me in, in terms of envisioning. Uh, she taught me that years ago. And also in uh, your thoughts being so f- very powerful in that the, they become things. Oh, that's great. Now, o- over time, you were talking about all the various influences uh, on your creativity, but you've also had a chance to meet and interview, you know, lots of individuals, uh, business people, politicians, uh, artists. Um, what, what do you see as a thread, maybe when you say, what are the elements of a creative life? Uh, what, what do some of these people have in common that says, uh, this is what makes them stand out or what makes them you know, attract uh, attention from others or 
you know, do their work in a different way. You know, one thing that struck me early on was that I, I, I was nervous at first to interview people like, um, oh gosh, I made a list the other day and there, there's like a hundred, you know, that I, I thought were, I just made the list because I thought, well, over 30 years, it would be nice to look back uh, on the people who I've interviewed over the years. And, and it, it's just a barrage of people, uh, politicians, like you said, leaders, um, entertainers, and, and it's been fun. It really has. But one common thread I've really noticed is how kind they are. Uh, the higher. I've never really interviewed any jerks. Uh, <laughs> when nice. they when they get to that level, um, part of their success seems to be this kindness and this um, I don't know this um, humility uh, and just wanting to relate. And um, that those are the ones I remember. I don't remember any that were just just horrible interviews or that I couldn't really have a quality. Um, discussion with that's great and, and what the the story part going back to that for a second it, it really struck me what you were saying that you know if if you gave it space and gave it air and time that the story tends to emerge rather than being forced um, as a storyteller you know how, how has that worked for you well in broadcasting much of that comes from um, trying to convey using the various elements to convey all of the elements of the story. For instance, okay, if I'm going to do a story on uh, out in the open where I'm interviewing somebody with a babbling brook and there's le- there are leaves falling and so forth, I need to really let that breathe. I need that natural sound and to incorporate that in the story. And what's sad is that these days, unless it's really upward on a, a very specific high network level where they have the, the resources to put into a story like that on a local news level, you don't have those resources much anymore. And so it's like, you've got a quota to meet. Let's just slam the story together and put it on. But back in the day, when, when you didn't have MMJs, multimedia journalists, where you had to anchor uh, report, edit your own stuff, shoot your own stuff, and you know, do the whole shebang. You had a photographer, and you had a you know a reporter, and some stations do. Um, and and you could you could talk about ways to let the story breathe and emerge, and what sound turned out to be, and what uh, response from your subject turned out to be the most poignant, and help tell the story that way. And uh, I was never big on reporter stand-ups. I don't know. I, I they would make me. They would say, you know, you have to put a stand-up in there. You know, we, we you're a name. We want to see you you're holding the microphone yeah. in front of the whatever. We, yeah. Put the reporter. Yeah, the, you're part of the story. And I said, well, I think I can be part of the story just voicing it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and so, if you, as you've made this now uh, transition, it le- left some of that, uh, you know, career of broadcasting. You were just talking about moving into art and painting and photography and pastels. Where, where do you find your creative inspiration now? Oh, I, I live on an island in Florida. And there was some reason my husband and I were drawn to that island. Um, it has a, a very strong, beautiful heritage and energy. Um, the Calusa Indians were a big part of that. They were they were very uh, vicious and artistic at the same time. They could admire a lovely flower and then go chop somebody's head off. I mean, it was just and they were giants, you know. They, but their art is still felt on the island today. Um, their their tools that they made out of shells are there. Uh, we kayak around Calusa Island and stop and go and explore on the island. And um, there's a great appreciation there for leaving things the way they were. You know, you don't take a shell from that island. You leave it. It, it, it could be a tool of one of the Calusas. And um, there's just a great heritage. Their, their mounds, their shell mounds are still there and um, are sacred. And you can feel the energy around them. Um, I get a great deal of inspiration from how that island came to be and 
the efforts to protect it to this day from further development that might intrude on that. And um, wildlife, too. Love to photograph wildlife and then try to draw or or do a pastel of something. Um, and by doing that, you really come to appreciate every detail of that. Um, I was trying to do a cedar waxwing on pastel for your wife. She loves this. And uh, and they're very smooth. And, and, and it wasn't, I never really noticed them much until I tried to get into the artistic aspect of putting it down on paper. And, and it's just beautiful the way the colors transition. It's almost like a silky effect. Um, and just, you can learn from the process itself sure. so much about what's out there. And, and thinking about that inspiration of nature, I think a lot of people may... You know, I, I know when you read about creativity, for example, it's like what can come to your mind, you know, from you to create something. But you're really talking about having that external inspiration, having it come from somewhere else, not your head. Mark, I'm working on that other part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a process. Um, to me, that is where I was in broadcasting before I learned how to be authentic, my authentic self, and be courageous enough to put that out there. Um, so right now I'm drawing what I see from out here. I hope to one day get to the point, and maybe I need to just go ahead and start practicing doing it, but where I can put something down that comes from within. So work in progress. But, but all those are influences. I mean, what? Yes. I mean, we, we see nature, we're inspired by it. I mean, yeah, maybe someday it, it creates something different in our mind, but... I would hope so. Until it, then, nature's pretty cool. It's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's rocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what about then, you're, you're talking about learning this craft, you know, which is great in and of itself. What, what are some of the, not necessarily by name, but I mean, who are the teachers that are really, where, where are you learning it from? Well, um, like I said, I came from a family of artists, but... Um, uh, also, this island draws artists from all over the world, and um, they hold workshops. Um, there is a little village called Matlache before you come into Pine Island that used to be a fishing village, and it had these rundown shacks. Well, when the net ban was put into effect, the fishermen, you know, it hurt their industry. And these these artists came in and all these little old fishing shacks are now uh, galleries and, um, you know, brightly colored. It's just a funky little town that you drive through. And so they're all over the place. And it's just up to me to go out and say, hey, uh, can I see your work? Can you? Can we talk about it? And I had an artist over my house the other day and there was a pastel and I was like, look, you and I both know that that, paint, that painting right there is flat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to mix business with pleasure because I used to teach this, but would you tell me what I can do to bring more dimension into this, you know? And so just asking for it, you know, something that, that hasn't been easy for me to do in the past. Um, is is of such value and it's so bonding mm -hmm. yeah well one of the things i want to have you touch on if you would is if we could go back to your earlier statement of uh, that authentic self i would love to have you talk about what experience that was when you started being more of your authentic self how did that how did other people respond and how how was your experience with that as as opposed to you know kind of doing what you thought you should do? Well, we were taught to just stick to the prompter for the sake of time and get it done. Um, but I thought, you know, I have the most longevity of any broadcaster in this market. So uh, on television as a news anchor. And I thought, well, so what do I have to bring to the table that maybe somebody who was just hired a couple of weeks ago doesn't from another market, you know, and that would be perspective. So I left the prompter, which irritated the producers like crazy, but left the prompter and said, you know, I remember when something similar to this happened, or I might say to the viewers, you might remember when this happened 20 years ago. And 
um, there are some similarities, but look how far we've come and look at these changes that have been made. Another case in point is um, the Choctaw Apache tribe. Uh, 20 years prior, I, I did my first story on them and I interviewed their chief, Tommy Bolton, uh, and, and it was a small tribe in Zawali, Louisiana, very protective. They didn't want a lot of people didn't want people to know. They were afraid to let people know because of the history that they were Indian. So 20 years later, I did a follow-up story on the tribe, which has grown thousands across the country. And they, the big difference is that they're no longer afraid. They're proud of their heritage. And they're telling their stories now. So they told the story of how much of their land was taken, much of their water was taken and made into a reservoir. And um, it was, and that chief, um, Chief Rivers uh, and his wife, the assistant chief, um, just were very outspoken. And it was a whole different ball game. And it was so nice because I was able to just be myself and say, okay, this is the story I want to do, mm-hmm. not what's assigned to me. And, and this is how I want to tell it because I just want to go see what changes have been made over 20 years. Yeah. Well, I, cause I, I think that that's awesome. It sounds like as we individually find our voice and become more authentic, this whole tribe kind of found the courage to let that, you know, speak their truth. It sounds like. Well said. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the reason I think it's fascinating is because I've seen it in other people who have done what they're supposed to do or done what, you know, kind of the, everyone else is doing and gotten a certain result. And when they tuned in to what really wants to come through them, skyrocket. I mean, you know, I've seen it over and over and over again. That's what I think is really fascinating. And you touched on that earlier that, you know, doing what you're supposed to do like everyone else eh, gets you kind of vanilla-ish, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's why I think it's it's really interesting that that you spoke about that. Yeah, you know, um, I'm learning now more and more about how boundaries come into play with that too. Um, just because I have a skill set for broadcasting doesn't necessarily mean that I want to continue to do that on the island. You know, I I don't, I have no desire to go put on a bunch of makeup and, and apply a lot of hairspray and get all, you know, quaffed up uh, anymore. And um, so I have to guard against the tendency to want to be valuable in that aspect. You know, I mean, uh, great, that serves my ego. I can go and do this and, oh, oh yeah, we, we need that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. So yeah. if I'm going to continue on this journey and explore, and then I'm going to have to um, make space and room for, for that journey and honor it. Um, as hard as it is to be a student and a new student of that, uh, it's also very freeing and and scary but it brings so much joy yeah yeah to be freeing and scary i mean it is <laughs> is that that gravitational pull to the comfort zone to the old you know i've always done it before it's no big deal i could do it again i can do it uh, yeah and so what what is what's pushing is there something pushing you away from the old or is it something pulling you to the new does that question make sense i mean is it yeah, drawing yeah I think it? it's a, there's both, but I'd like to think that there's more pushing me to the new, that um, that, that is, that if, if you have that pull inside you, it needs, you need to pay attention to that. And that, that is what I've learned, both from mistakes and rewards in the past, and, and need to have the courage again to, to really put that forth in what lies ahead. And I guess, Mark, yeah, to the title of your podcast, Enhancing the Human Experience, um, you know, that's a very human kind of, uh, I guess, feeling the, yeah. to be, you know, pulled toward and listen to that. Um, how, how is that, when you think about your own human experience, how has that changed your life experience, the, I guess, even day to day? Well, I, I get much comfort, as do a, a lot of people from routine. And, and I like to be by myself, <laughs> you know, I, I, some people don't, but I, I like that. I, I think I'm good company. You're, you're so good I company just like too. to hang out by myself. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I think it's a challenge for me to 
break my routine to open up and be vulnerable around other people, that's scary. And um, But how else are you going to grow? And um, it's always rewarding. And um, who am I to assume that a situation is going to uh, might potentially turn out bad um, or or less than what I desire just because I'm scared of it. Um, so I try not to make assumptions. It's that's an ongoing battle. Try not <laughs> try not to make assumptions. Try to be open and just see what's out there. Mm-hmm. And, and with your art. I mean, has it been art for art's sake? Like, truly, this is just meant to be an expression. Or do you have these thoughts of, well, I want to make this a business. I want to, you know, have this in a gallery. I want the public attention. Or how are you feeling about it right now? I'm past public attention at this point. (laughs) Way past. Right now, uh, my pastels are strung up in the corner of a room on twine and clothespins because I don't know what to do with them. And I, I don't, you know, I don't care really if other people see them sometimes I put them out on Facebook because I have some friends who just like to see them you know and and I have you know a couple of friends who are cancer patients and it brings them joy and so if they like one of my photographs or something that I put out then yeah I'll sell some once in a while but if it's one of my close friends and they like it uh, great I'll get it printed and just send it to them you know it's Mm -hmm. just I do it I don't have any clear goals for those right now, um, but I think that'll emerge mm-hmm. later. Maybe more yeah. natural. Yeah. Then yeah. some people say, I want to have a e-commerce business, yeah. and yeah. so I better go paint some pictures. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, it's pressure instead of joy. Yeah, you know? and at first I thought that. Before we moved to that island, there are galleries, museums, you know, all these. And I, I sent my work in, and I was like, well, um, I'm about to move there, and this is something I'd love to sell at your gallery. And I just, now I'm in it for the sake of it. And um, it's just really, really rewarding. And it may, may find another vehicle later, but I, I don't know what that is right now. And that's okay. Okay. Well, on a, on a totally different subject, I'll uh, take a left turn yeah. to the Guy Clark project. Oh, uh, and all. oh yeah, yes. Yeah, they came kind of uh, <laughs> out of nowhere, perhaps, but a family connection. Yes. And, uh, well, yes. first of all, tell, tell us who Guy Clark is and okay, Guy, how you got involved. Uh, okay. Yeah. Guy Clark, uh, as some of your listeners may know, is one of the most prolific um, songwriters, uh, I would say, in the world. Because I mean, he's a big deal in Dublin and other places, but um, he is truly, um, he was, he passed away, but he was, he was truly an inspiration to so many songwriters. Um, Steve Earle has a tribute album out to him now at Emmylou Harris. Uh, Lyle Lovett said that Guy was his mentor. Um, I, I could just go on. Um, and a lot of people have, a lot of artists have recorded his songs, and you might not know that Guy wrote them. Uh, Boats to Build, Jimmy Buffett. Um, just so many. I could just go on and on. But the the ones that uh, were his first hits were, um, you know, Desperados, Waiting for a Train, and L.A. Freeway. Well, Guy's wife, Susanna, was my aunt. And Susanna, you know, I told you she was about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Texas um, posthumously, and I'll accept that honor in her on her behalf. Uh, Susanna and I were very, very close and um, got a lot of my artistic and creative uh, inspiration from her. And uh, she was my dad's sister. And uh, when I drove through Nashville, um, Right before Guy died, he gave me uh, Susanna's ashes and uh, several of her paintings and uh, the lyrics, many of them unfinished to her songs. And so there is a book out called Without Getting Killed or Caught by Tamara Saviano. And Tamara uh, wrote the life and music of Guy Clark. And much of Susanna's work is in there. Well, Tamara is a big champion of Susanna as well. And, and she and many other people feel like Susanna never really got the 
focus. Right. That's what I was wondering. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of in the shadows in the of shadows. the bigger name, right? Right, right. And so Tamara and I are putting together an all-female uh, album soon that will, uh, first of all, we'll get female songwriters to finish the lyrics that Susanna started, and then we'll get female recording artists to uh, to record them. And so, yeah, one of one of Susanna's biggest hits, uh, it was back in 1989, was sung by Kathy Matea called Come From the Heart. And you may remember it as a Reebok commercial. You know, you got to sing like nobody's listening, yes, dance like yes. nobody's watching. It's got to come from the heart if you want it to work. Um, so she wrote that with Richard Lee, who wrote Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue, that Crystal Gale sung. And... Uh, Richard told me he actually wrote that about his dog. How about that? Great. <laughs> so the stories behind these yes. these songs are that, that these people, these talented, wonderful people have written are just wonderful. Well, it's, it sounds like a great project. And what, what would be, I guess, the motivation for these uh, artists, producers, musicians to now go back to some of these lyrics? And you know, what, what are they thinking when they take on a project like that, do you think? Well... I can tell you what I'm thinking, and, and and that's such a powerful question because I really believe that we're on a pendulum where history repeats itself at least every 40 years. And uh, back then, if you'll think 40 years ago, what was going on? Well, we had the women's movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, there we were fighting so many things at that time that um, that. Really, I thought we were done with. Okay, but now we're fighting the same exact things. So if these female artists are feeling any of that, well, Susanna's partially written lyrics were written back 40 years ago or so. And so they can incorporate what's going on now for any kind of message that might be empowering to them. With the reflection of maybe the context she wrote them in. What does that look like today? Yes. Yes. What a fun project. Uh, Yes. And she's got one story about, you know, I guess, you know, she and she and Guy were separated at one point and she really found herself during that time. And it's called Baby, I Can Fly. And it's like, I take back my uh, my walk. I take back my smile. I take back, you know, it's just very, you know, yeah. Maybe I can fly. (laughs) That's awesome. That does sound like an awesome project. Yeah. it almost sounds like, you know, it's, I think generations have to learn the same things that past <laughs> generations did. You know, that when you talked sense. about this, like, uh, 40 years ago, they were learning these things. And then we, seems like we kind of forget and remember and forget and remember. It's just this interesting thing. So, but it, but I think it builds too, like the energy that these new artists bring will build upon what they started, you know, 40 years ago. That's a fascinating Project. Yeah, I like to think that, that. You know, I hadn't thought about that. That's that's very hopeful mm-hmm. that there is some building and that as uh, a being that it collectively and individually that we are learning and not just being set back yeah. to the pendulum, you know, way back the other side. You sometimes know? it feels like that, doesn't it? Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it just seems like um, we're, we're inspired by other people and then to allow more of our creativity to come through. And the way I think about creativity is, you know, like disparate ideas, bringing them together um, and also being inspired by other people. But there's, there's stuff that I think wants to come through us that only, you know, we can bring into the world in our unique way. And you're like, you're doing with your art or your photography that then who knows who, who it may inspire to maybe take a little bit of your essence and mix it with theirs and go forward. What? Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's so easy to think nobody really wants to see my work. There's so much better work out there and to compare your work to other people's. And I have been so uh, sad that I've spent so much time doing that. Um, It's our responsibility to put it out there in some form or or another. You don't know who it's going to affect or inspire. So why not? And I'm just now learning that. Really? I've always told other people's stories. And to put something out there that's my own creation is scary, just like I'm starting all over again with everything. And um, But now I'm seeing that uh, nobody can have the same energy I do. 
it it, it might be more, it might be less, but it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't know who it's going to resonate with. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, share some of the mechanics, the, the actual like idea capturing, idea coordinating and organizing how do you do that like for whether you're and you choose your medium whether you're going to talk about photography or painting or uh other creative endeavors how do you capture and organize and and move forward like how do you come to the idea you want to actually move forward with well i'll take a drawing for instance um because that's one of my favorites with photography but there's more prep with drawing photography I just head out with a camera and see what's what is out there but with drawing okay I have to get my ducks in a row so um, first of all I have to be passionate about the subject for so many years the only thing I drew was my son because I was passionate about him that was it so now I really search within and without for something I'm passionate about that I want to draw and it may be that, um, you know, little granddaughter, you know, she's Coco, you know, she she loved this viper fish in, in this fish book, you know, and she's like, oh, that's just, you know, she's tough and, and go get it and so forth. And she said, I really wish you would draw this fish. Mm. And so that was inspiration enough. If a nine-year-old asks you to draw a viper fish, you go yeah. figure out a way to draw one, Special you know? Special right? <laughs> and the teeth are everywhere. It's just a wonderful cre- creative creature. And so um, I, I knew I wanted to do that. And it, I sat with it, and I, fa- I found inspiration from various drawings because they're very – it's not like I can go photograph one. They are a mile down deep in the ocean. So I had to go look at all these and study them and then let that incubate with my regular vacuum or what have you. And then make sure you get all your tools and your space, your spot. You know, there are so many places in our house around Florida that um, are just too hot and sticky. You can't sit there. You know, I need to find the right spot at the right time of day and and have the right erasers and the right pencils and the right paper and the right environment. Um, so creating that and then getting to work. And I, and I really don't like to get up in the middle of a creation. I want to stay with it, you know, and so creating that time space is important as well. And then just getting lost in it. It's, um, that's, that's awesome. It just takes so much work to get to that point. (laughs) It does. Is a lot of the game, isn't it? Right? Yes. Yes. With everything. If if you want to, if you want it to be a true experience, you got to put in the work, you know? And it's interesting. You're talking about the time you know, factor. Not only, I guess, if you say, I'm going to find the perfect time, it's probably not coming. Yeah. So you just make the time, right? <laughs> yes. But I, I love what you said about, you know, you, that you lose yourself in the time. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's a gift, isn't it? Yeah. When you get to that point, you know, if you, if you allow that to you happen. You like look up and it's like, oh, it's dinner time. Oh, I've been working that. on this all day. Or, yeah. You know, I'm not, a, uh, you know, but if you have to pull the all-nighter, you do. Because you <laughs> yeah. can't stop. No. You know? You can't. And if, it's if, a lot better when it's not deadline driven. Oh. You know, when you just want to do it. How nice. Yeah. To, to let it breathe like that too. Yeah. You're not under the restraints of uh, all the time. And I think that's why I find that process so freeing is that I've been on deadlines for three decades. And... Um, you know, you can't be late to a newscast. You know, no, I was it's going to be on at 10 yeah, no matter what. Uh, right? I was once and it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> and it only happened once in 30 years. Yes. Well, and now it would be on YouTube. You know, right. Your empty chair right. would, would be all about Nothing's it. a secret these days. Yeah, that's right. So we were talking about some of your teachers, but I'm also curious as you talk about your process and kind of how ideas formulate for you. Who, where, where do you get some of your inspiration? Uh, who, who are some of of your, you know, either authors or, you know, things like that, where you're drawing some of your inspiration? I think from nature, number one, um, I can go out and just be totally amazed at how different everything is every single day. I can take the same three-mile kayak route around Calusa Island, and I was telling your wife this yesterday, Mark, I, I, the, the sky will be different, the clouds, what have you, the temperature, the wind speed, the water clarity, uh, what pops up around me? Am I going to see dolphins today or uh, what birds? Is it going to be osprey? Um, you know, is that elusive kingfisher going to let me get closer than a football field? Uh, is, you know, what 
what's going to happen. One day I took off um, just down the end of the pier, you know, on this island. And it was four o'clock in the afternoon. I never took pictures at that time of day because of the angle of the sun. And I thought, this is not, you know, this is not my time of the day. But I'll just go down here just for kicks because it seemed like nobody was around. So I went down there and there was this pelican sitting on a pier and the way the sun hit it was magical. And so I took the shot and um, then I took a few more shots and he just sat there and posed and looked at me. And then I got back and I realized without any enhancement of the photograph, it looked like a painting. Amazing. It was stunning. So I put it on a canvas, an art, uh, humidity resistant archival mm-hmm. quality canvas and put some, you know, some resources into yeah, it, yeah. you know, because I wanted to preserve so like it. Like you said, the photography even on the canvas yes. would make it more Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, it did. So that's at my house, and and I, I just like to remember it. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't great. know if I answered your questions, but no, I, I no. just like to go well, off on you know, tangents. We're, we're always interested. <laughs> I, I know Marcus too about you know what are you reading or you know yeah. do you have a favorite podcast or you know where people are always saying you know I'm looking for something new to get that spark back, um, and and as you're pursuing new sparks, you know where. Where do you get some of, even if it's well, like you said, you know, you got to break old habits and stop criticizing yourself. Yes. And, you know, where, where do these ideas get reinforced for you? Well, I'm about to undergo a journey uh, inward, um, I think, with uh, Reiki training. And I, I really believe, um, and, and your wife is a great inspiration, Mark, uh, Jenny, um, it, it, toward that. And uh, I, and a great teacher fabulous teacher i i really i know it's a goal of yours to have her on the podcast be, <laughs> you've got it's, to it's gonna be really tough you know that yeah yeah listen and i don't even know if you're editing this part out if this shows up on the podcast I mean, this is real stuff you talk about authenticity this is real oh seriously she's um uh, she's incredible and um jenny i'll just go ahead and out her right now she <laughs> she and i have been friends since we were 17 years old, we're almost 60. Really? And uh, she has always been an inspiration to me. Wow. Uh, we've even gone years without seeing one another and then gotten back together. And it's like, you know, you know, when you have a true friend, uh, you don't lose a thing. You just pick right back up. And um, Jenny's a Reiki master. Um, she is very in tuned to so many aspects you know yeah, yeah you I've know worked, i've worked with her i've done had the reiki yeah it's it yeah. phenomenal yeah. yeah yeah so uh so anyway she's my my teacher in that regard and i really i really am so excited about what's going to come creatively as a result of that process what what's in, what's drawing you to or inspiring you to go through this because you haven't done this reiki training before no. is this a total a new chapter in your life yes here? what's inspiring you to do that what's what's behind that uh jenny telling me i needed to do it okay <laughs> <laughs> and then the trust okay right. yeah. uh-huh. absolutely right when jenny says do something you do it yeah <laughs> right she just knows she does i think she can tell that uh i'm blocked in some areas and yeah. and that this would would do something and and I trust her intuition. Mm-hmm. Have you so. done anything like this before? Energetic type stuff or spirituality type? Oh, what, it's been your, a big part of my life. Has it? Um, I can't, and can't imagine and it sounds like not in this particular way where I I'm about through this training to get some tools where I might be able to help some other people and mm-hmm. I I know I'll be able to help myself, but in a way that um, it, before I've just been very in tune to. I've had you know near death experiences and. Um, um, just very connected to the universe in many ways and in many ways disconnected. So I think that that's why this, yeah. this is going to be a good thing. That's great. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, fitness exercise, oh, yeah, uh, that's all of this component. is a big piece of it, right? Yes. What, what sort of things do it's you huge. do from a, again, <sighs> practice habit standpoint to just oh. keep the blood literally flowing, right? Yes, yes. Um, your brain, uh, everything. Um, it's healing. It's it's uh, disease prevention. It's it's life giving. It it's everything circulating. It makes you fitness makes you want to uh, eat healthier. It 
it it just it's it's the fountain of youth also I think internally and externally and you know I get up in the mornings and we'll run as the heat gets more and more intense in Florida I'm into longer um, beach cruiser distant bike rides (laughs) and uh, my husband and I used to be triathletes and um, sold our expensive racing bikes for kayaks and so it's you know not as far to fall and (laughs) (laughs) right right So we like the balancing workouts, you know, the upper body kayaks. We believe in resistance training as you get older and lose muscle mass. Um, You know, it takes a a bit more. Um, So we'll do some of that. Um, Just hard working in the yard, uh, walking when you can. Get a big old dog, you know, and and let that. You got to take him out and exercise him, and uh, so yeah, we've uh, we've been runners for like forty years, and. Uh, I have a ballet background, which taught me a lot of discipline. I mean, 75% of ballet, it looks so athletic, and it is, but 75% is mental um, and the discipline Just involved to, to get to that yeah. athletic state, you know, and I think that that's helped me in, in other physical endeavors. Well, you mentioned your husband. Oh, yeah. As long as we've mentioned Jimmy a thousand times. Um, you, you talk about two sides of a creative brain. Oh, yeah. Uh, if we can talk about uh, having a banker mind on one side and a musician, uh, Cajun, blues, whatever genre. He's such a dichot- dichotomy, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It- Tell, yeah. tell us about Rufus. Uh, Rufus, which is his real name. I thought it was his stage name when right, I first right. met him. It I said, like that's not your musician name, that's right? That's not your real name. Yeah. Come on. And so uh, Rufus Lemaire is a Cajun from Generette, Louisiana. Love his accent. Love his joie de vivre. Uh, he taught me how to Cajun dance, and he makes better etouffee than I do. And so I was like, okay, I need to stick around this guy for a while. <laughs> <laughs> he um, has been playing the drums for 50 years and uh, just belts it out and can sing while he's playing and uh, plays the guitar and the piano and, and so forth. So he's creative um, on one hand. And, and then, it, you know, his dad said, boy, you can't you can't really make a living that way. So I want you to be a banker or a lawyer or something, you know, so he's a banker and, or or he was, he's retired now. And, um, so he, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. (laughs) And, And doesn't it make you think, uh, how many people we might go out on a Friday or Saturday night and see in the band and not think, well, they might be a banker. You know, or the other way around, you know, you're talking to somebody in the bank and you're like, I wonder if they're going to be in a blues band yeah. tonight. Uh, you know, and I, going back to our whole creativity theme, you know, how many people are looking for that outlet? Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, it's interesting you said that because actually um, the band he was in was a big eight piece band with a horn section called uh, Earshot Graffiti. And they were together for 25 years, which is almost unheard of for bands. You know, there are issues wow. where creative types break up. and um, But they got together. It was like three guys who were closing banks for the FDIC. And they were up in Chicago and and doing this work and they would go out at night to these clubs and just like fill in and just be invited on stage or what have you. And then they just decided, hey, let's get a band together. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and thinking of that group and what you're talking about, you know, creative types, uh, I think one of the questions we have been exploring is collaboration in creativity. You know, that so much of this stuff is individual and the creative egos, and I want to see it my way. I mean, even the fact that you would reach out to a neighbor and say, I see my painting is a little flat here. What can you improve? A lot of people wouldn't do that because it's like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good on my own. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'm curious, even as you're thinking about the uh, Susanna Clark project, I mean, where the collaborative nature of creatives, that, that can't be easy. Now, you know, it, it, this um, whole endeavor, okay, the Reiki, the art, the photography, the the collaborating with um, the lyrics, the whole thing, it's all so different from my decades in broadcasting. That was an extremely competitive area. And as I enter this area of holistic arts, one thing that really is attractive to me is the lack of competition and the abundance of support. 
for one another. And I'm ready for it. I paid my competitive dues. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, and is that a competitive thinking, we call it a scarcity mentality, right? It's like, well, there's not enough for all of us. And so how many minutes am I on camera? And how many stories am I getting? Uh, you're saying, and so how does that contrast what you're talking about with the holistic arts? Well, I think um, uh, you can find a niche more easily in holistic arts. So there's more room for you to create that niche too, either where there's not a need already being met or where you have a special talent or a special energy to give. Um, And where it, and even if there are like, even if I live next door to another Reiki practitioner or whatever else I go into later, we're not going to be alike. We're not going to be totally alike. And, and the people we work with are not going to be drawn to both of us equally. So, so really you don't have to be competitive if you let it be and just let it, um, organically, rise the way it's supposed to. That's so interesting. And Mark, you're, you're a student of this more than uh, I am, but do, do you see that? I mean, do, I, I've never said I got a bad massage, you know, or <laughs> that was an awful crystal healer. You know, it's like, I guess because maybe it's all pretty positive, right? I, I think it all does go in the mix, especially, it's funny you mentioned that about spirituality and anyone that's kind of healing the energetic side of you. Now, I have said that about accountants or lawyers, <laughs> <laughs> not to throw those professions under the bus, but I don't know maybe if it's whether I have a op- more open mind when it comes to spiritually healing type practices, but I just look at it all going in the bucket for this person's energy and their wisdom and knowledge that person so i don't know what's your experience sherry with those two worlds like the 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 uh, accountants bookkeepers world and and the spiritual world have you ever had a bad well i can tell you in in broadcasting i've had plenty of negative experiences with um mm, egos maybe and and i i really um i really feel like there's a big absence of that in the holistic arts. And that's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different mindset. Um, you can relax and it gives you permission to be yourself and to um, bring what you have authentically to the table and contribute and, and, and collaborate with somebody. Who knows? I mean, if you connect with someone with the two of you can come up with as far as a service Mm -hmm. to other people that vehicle doesn't really exist in in broadcasting and accounting and 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 maybe you can create that but there's not a lot of room for partnerships there unless it's on a business level Mm -hmm. you know what makes sense in the business world um and i don't know i think as a society we're what you call waking up mm-hmm. so so maybe there is more than i see and and that i've experienced and maybe there will be more in the future because this holistic arts thing i think is going to spill over into the rest of everything we have going yeah that's so good so as we uh reach the end of our time here i just already thought that, yes. time know, flies uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh i know that there's a lot of listeners that are at various places, probably on their own personal journey, their creative journeys. Um, Mark and I are going to be talking with, you know, creative individuals literally all over the world. So there'll be somebody probably listening to this from Germany or Brazil or Australia or who knows where. Um, but what what advice? I guess putting it all together, you know, that we've talked about from where do you get your inspiration to who you work with to what you're doing for your own personal development. What would you say to somebody that is on that creative journey, um, how to be more authentic and how to express themselves more? What would you say? Well, I'm, I, I've never really thought of myself as one to give advice, but I, I, I can just tell you that for me, um, clearing myself of obstacles and things that, that are harmful to that process um, in, in a gentle releasing way, and then trying to harness um, what what feels true. And, and other people call it going with your gut, 
Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, just harnessing your true, true purpose. If you can tap into that at whatever level and whatever degree, then then um, slowly make room for that and go for even if it's cooking is extremely creative. Even if it's like, okay, I've got these herbs. How can I incorporate them into into this uh, this dish? And and experiment. You know, get out there and just do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. You you started by saying first you have to sort of let go. Yes. You have to remove, make room. Yes. And it sounds like the for you that's a kind of a two part process. Yes. Let go. Get out of your own way. Yes. And then you can add. Then you can be available. Jenny and I uh, agree on this one thing, and that is uh, release anything less than love. Wow. Wow. I think that's a great a great time to to close it up there. Sherry, thanks for hanging out with us and sharing your experience. Thank you both. This has been such a joy. That concludes our first episode, first interview with Sherry Talley. And uh, yeah, what an what an enjoyable time! That's huh? Awesome, and yeah. we we covered so much ground. Uh, and when we talk about creativity, you know, she was talking about the process. Uh, she was talking about where she gets her inspiration, um, and I think what really came through to me is the need, the burning need to be authentic. Yeah, I got that, that too. You know, in, in a career, especially in one where she was in a sort of reporting uh, and news role, uh, the need to be almost something you're not. Mm-hmm. But now in this creative pursuit, but uh, it, it does make you wonder why we wait. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we more authentic? That's what I find you know, fascinating. In our, in our creative jobs now. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you have to say, well, once I'm not doing X job, then I'll be more authentic. Then mm-hmm. I'll be more creative. And I think her encouragement would be, hey, start now. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I've found that to be like a pivotal point in many people's lives. Going along with the status quo never gets them the the career achievements, the personal achievements. It's always when they cross that barrier and start living from the authentic self. I've seen it over and over again. Yeah. What's been your experience? No, the, the same. And uh, as much as we're using this word now, authentic, as in anything short of that, you know, is almost, well, I wasn't really lying to you and I wasn't really, you know, uh, maybe fudging my resume, but I wasn't really authentic. It's like, no, be, be authentic. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be the worst of yourself or, or you know, you can't uh, come across as, as something. Uh, and that almost is contradictory to the fake it till you make it, right? You know, you want to try something before you're an expert at it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I, I really loved her description of this uh, Susanna Clark oh, uh, awesome. music project. That's awesome. And uh, they're recovering these lost lyrics from a woman who really was working side by side with one of the great songwriters out there. And yet, you know, very un unrecognized uh, mm-hmm. and so to have current you know artists current musicians current stars really of music uh take a new fresh look at these lyrics finish them up polish them up and make songs um and that she would be a part of that this is very exciting to hear about. yeah that was something i knew awesome. nothing about Wow. Yeah, I love it. I love when we get a behind the scenes look, yeah, well, right? You, That's you, what we bring you got in here. a scoop here, Mark. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, well I can't um, wait for the next one. I can't either. Yeah. This, uh, it's uh, a great kickoff. Yeah, very good. So, all right. Well, we want to thank you for listening. And, um, you know, you can always pick this up on any of your favorite podcast players. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on through, even on YouTube. So uh, any closing remarks, Mark? No, I think it's fantastic. And when when we ever we talk about a world of creativity, you know, I think I came into this going, what about people around the world? But I think it's the world around us as well. Yeah, And great. how much inspiration can come from that world. Great point. Yeah, as, she, as Sherry indicated. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it again real soon. Awesome, we will. All right, thanks again for listening. Until next time. All the best, health, wealth, and success. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, A World of Creativity with Mark Phillips. If you liked this episode and want to know more, check out gmarkphillips.com 
And please leave us a review on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.